Welcome to the Resist Bob podcast, hosted by me, Melanie Dion. Join me this week and every week as I chat with the advocates and activists in your neighborhood at the intersection where policy meets people. Now, let's start the show. Welcome to the Resist Bob podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Dion, and I am so glad you're tuning in because we have a great show in store. I don't know why anybody lives in red states anymore anyway. You've heard that before, right? Or maybe you said it. I know y'all have said it. I've heard you. It's fine. Because it sounds like an easy solution, but it's not really a solution at all. First and foremost, everybody deserves for the place that they call home to be livable with equal privileges, no matter where home is, whether it's New York, California, Louisiana, or Florida. We live in the United States, not 50 different countries. That's one. Second, have y'all looked at price tags at all? Moving is expensive as hell. Third, if you run from oppression, it doesn't say, okay, that's enough. We're going to stop. You've, you've gone far enough. We'll stop here. Oppression pursues you until there is nowhere to go. So somebody has to stay and fight. In my home state of Louisiana, we know a thing or two about fighting, which is why when it comes to reproductive justice, I couldn't think of a better person to call than this week's guest. So if you're even remotely familiar with me from whether it's the show or my own social media, you would know that I am a big fan of the organization Lift Louisiana. So it is my great pleasure to have the co-founder and executive director of Lift Louisiana here on the podcast this week, Michelle Ehrenberg. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I am a Louisiana girl, born and raised. So I'm always, when we have these conversations about the struggles that uh, Southern states, red states, conservative states, however you want to look at it, have, especially when the tone gets to be, well, why are people still living there? It's because the work is needed. It's important and it's probably needed here in places where the support is slimmer than in other places. So I would love for you to talk a bit about yourself and if we can lead into what moved you from being Michelle Ehrenberg citizen to establishing Lift Louisiana, being a reproductive justice advocate and activist. It's such a long, winding journey, but I'll just say I also am from Louisiana. I grew up in in Monroe, which is a small conservative town in northeast Louisiana. It's very, I, I joke with people that it's the buckle of the Bible belt. It's very evangelical, but I was raised by a very progressive Jewish mother and grandmother. And so I always sort of had an idea in my in my mind and in my upbringing uh, that, you know, we needed to fight for social justice. But it wasn't until I was in college at Loyola University in New Orleans, when I went to the health center to have my annual well woman exam, and I asked the nurse practitioner for a refill of my birth control prescription. And she told me that because they were a Catholic university, they didn't prescribe birth control to their students, that I realized, you know, how these systems, especially in the context of religious institutions, are oppressing people and and leaving them without access. So I went to the local Planned Parenthood and 
while I was in the waiting room waiting for my appointment, I saw a little clipboard asking if I was interested in volunteering and I signed up. And so that's really how I first got involved with doing this work. For a long time, it was really just as a volunteer advocate, both volunteering with Planned Parenthood and then later as a board member for the National Council of Jewish Women. And in 2016, uh, I co-founded Lift Louisiana so that I could dedicate 115% of my time to this work because it was so needed. Years of this and we still have mute, unmute fails. <laughs> 2016 was such a pivotal year for a lot of us because plenty of people could see what was coming. So was knowing how Roe was on the bubble of being jeopardized, did that spring you into action? Was it kind of a slow build or how did that, how did you go from being part of the work to know we've got to jump out of this? This has to be the focus for me. Yeah, it's such a good question. I think that what we had been seeing in Louisiana and this was the same across the Gulf South and throughout the Midwest was a ramping up of restrictions on on abortion. And in Louisiana, it was really going completely unchallenged. These laws were being introduced. No one was really showing up to object to them. And so they were passing. And then we didn't really have the infrastructure in Louisiana to challenge the laws on constitutional grounds. We were really at the mercy of whether the Center for Reproductive Rights had the capacity or the resources to be able to come in and and litigate for you know the protection of our rights here. So that was the context in which Lift Louisiana was formed. I had met a reproductive rights attorney, Ellie Schilling, who had been representing some of the abortion providers in the state. And we started talking about how it was a need. We needed to show up. We needed to be bringing people to the Capitol. We needed to be pushing back against these laws. And we needed to be able to take you know, these laws to court when they passed. And so that, that was why we started Lift Louisiana. And I'll tell you, when we started in 2016, I think we thought at the time that we were going to have a very different uh, situation, that we were going to have a progressive you know, female president, that we were going to have a friendly judiciary. And then obviously, at the close of the year, none of that came to pass. And it made, it made this work a lot more challenging. But it also has been a huge opportunity for us to really mobilize the support for abortion access that I knew fundamentally existed in Louisiana, but uh, had not really been activated uh, and, and, and wasn't really showing up. And we think a lot about how when we start talking about abortion access, the people who are impacted on the front end are marginalized people, poor people who don't necessarily have access because people with money know how to get abortions. You're a familiar face. You, I mean, you've gone from being, you know, kind of in the work to being someone who is a familiar face in state legislature with testimony and things like that. So when we're looking right now, for example, Mifepristone is the big current conversation. I mean, there's always like the conversation, but right now we're looking at what's going on in Texas and how that is going to impact us federally. Does that have bearing into what you're preparing yourself for? Yeah, I think it's it's such an important conversation that's happening and there's so much uncertainty around it because like you said, 
people with means, people with privilege are going to be able to get out of state to go to a state where they can access a legal abortion. But that's not the case for many people in Louisiana. Louisiana has some of the highest rates of, of poverty among women and children. And we also have a maternal health crisis here that impacts black women at a disproportionate rate. Um, I think the most recent statistics are something between two and three black women die from pregnancy-related causes compared to white women in the state. So access to medication abortion, which is safe and effective, is really, really critical to uh, not only um, abortion care, but uh, this is a medication that is used in, um, in a lot of different contexts in terms of managing pregnancy complications. And what we've seen in Louisiana since the Dobbs decision and since Louisiana has implemented its near total ban on abortion is that the language in the law is really impacting the provision of pregnancy care for complications across the board. So doctors are confused about what they can and can't do. They're not sure whether or not they can intervene in someone's miscarriage the way that they would have pre the Dobbs decision and they're concerned about facing criminal prosecution for making the wrong decision. And those impacts are going, we're gonna see that play out, you know, in this racially discriminatory way as we see over and over again when it comes to healthcare provision and particularly pregnancy care. I wanna go a little bit into the weeds on this one. Not too oh, I far, love the weeds. <laughs> I love it too, right? So right now, um, for example, the the Walgreens has been in the spotlight for just cutting off entirely um, the quote-unquote abortion pill. As for the average person who knows that something needs to be done and wants to make an impact, I know that the go-to idea is to boycott. Okay, we don't boycott. We boycott Walgreens. We don't support Walgreens. But it brings us back to that the issue of, you know, we're not just doing this to quote-unquote, to, to punish Walgreens. This is also to get people the care that they need. Like that's the bigger picture. And so the idea of a boycott or whatever leaves right back to leaving poor people behind who the only drugstore in their neighborhood is a Walgreens. So can you talk a bit about meaningful things that the average person can do in terms of small change, volunteering, making a difference? Of course, we know petition writing, but do you have other thoughts on what we can do to make sure that reproductive justice is not just available, but equitable? Yeah, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a really important question. And I struggle with this conversation around boycotts, too, because in many communities, Walgreens may be the only pharmacy or at least the only pharmacy that keeps hours that working people can, you know, can access um, their, you know, their pharmacists during those hours. So but I do think that writing to companies and uh, and and engaging with them on social media and and using that as a means of raising awareness about these you know misguided um, or misunderstood practices that companies are engaged in is is really important piece of it but we also really need for people to engage with their local elected officials because this is where the harms are happening the Louisiana legislature is where reproductive rights, reproductive justice, where social justice, criminal justice, this is where all of the things that we hold dear go to die. And 
that is one of the things that has been so centered to Lyft's work is helping people not only understand the policies that are being proposed, but giving them the tools that they need to be able to engage in the process to know how to call their legislators, to know what exactly to say to their legislators, also to show up at the Capitol in the event that you are able to do that. We've been working with a lot of medical providers. I think folks that are in the provision of healthcare, this is really an important time for those people to be showing up to talk about the impact that these decisions are having on their patients and, and how they're able or not able to provide care to those patients. So this is really a moment where people need to be reaching out and forcefully and en masse to the folks that are making the decisions that are impacting their lives. Thank you. In terms of medical professionals and, and engaging that, do you encourage people to actually engage their medical professionals directly on the topic? I think this is really important. And a lot of people who are seeing their general practitioner uh, or even that are, you know, going to their OBGYN appointments every year, they have no idea where their doctors stand on these issues. And this is really an important thing for people to understand, to be able to advocate for their themselves in how they're receiving care and from who. The last thing that I would want is for somebody to be pregnant and to be experiencing a complication and find out at that moment that their doctor has some sort of, you know, religious or moral objection to being able to provide them the care that they need. So these are important conversations that I think people need to be having with their healthcare providers and certainly with pharmacists. We actually just found out today that somebody went to go get a prescription for a medication that is totally unrelated to their reproductive health, went to a Walgreens and the Walgreens pharmacist asked them their pregnancy status before filling the prescription. These are not the things that people should have to answer if there's no medical reason for that. So I think this is the time that people really need to start understanding what it means to advocate for their own health and to be having these conversations with their pharmacists and with their medical providers. I appreciate that. From the standpoint of what the, the bigger challenges are going to be, you know, going forward, we do have to start from those macro levels or micro rather levels. By the time something is part of a national conversation, it's typically been a state and local conversation for years. And we're watching the culmination of that where it's, you know, Roe has been the law of the land for the entirety of my life and to see how quickly it can revert. So with that and having these tools in our toolbox, what would you say the biggest challenge people, whether it's, you know, allies, people who are in need of reproductive health care, what would you say the biggest challenge is for the immediate future that we should be facing or, or looking to tackle? Well, I think the the biggest challenge is people only focusing on the immediate future because there are things that we need today. We need to have abortion funds and, and support networks that are able to move people from banned states to states where they can access care. We need to be able to figure out how to connect people to the resources that they need. And those are the immediate things. But that is not a sustainable solution to this problem. 
We cannot continue to exist over decades in a country in which half of the states in the country do not allow access to this, you know, critical essential health care, and half of them do. So we need to be thinking about addressing the immediate needs while also building for a future. The anti-abortion movement had a multi-decade strategy, and they worked at this piece by piece, little by little, and and they were fully, fully committed to that long-term strategy. That is what we need right now. We need to be thinking about addressing the issues that people are facing today, but also investing and building power for a long-term fight. And we need to get comfortable with the fact that this is not going to turn itself around overnight, that we can bring liberation (laughs) to all people in Louisiana, but it's going to take us a long time and people need to stay involved in that fight and need to stay motivated for the the distance. You know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We hear so much. We're not going back. We're not going back, which is a great slogan. It requires a lot of effort and it requires people. <laughs> Can you talk a bit about what the work's needs are, what needs you may have as an organization, what volunteering opportunities people should look for And in those volunteer opportunities, what skills that are useful to this movement, to this push? Yeah, that's a great question. And Lift Louisiana is a a little bit of a unique organization because we don't have a lot of sort of typical volunteering opportunities. But we do work a lot with volunteer attorneys, with um, volunteer medical um, experts, and we always need them, you know, to engage in advocacy. We always need people that can help us do research and develop messaging. And I think another critical component of, of what we need volunteers to do is to not just follow organizations doing this work on social media, but to get into the conversation, you know, on these social media platforms and using Lift Louisiana's resources and, and fact sheets and access to data and, and analysis to be able to engage in some of these conversations on social media because we're in a moment where we've got hearts and minds that need to change. And some people are going to be motivated by facts and other people are gonna be motivated by personal stories and, and really having a conversation with someone that challenges their thinking. And so I think that that's a a place where people that are interested and they want to do something, inform yourself, go to trusted organizations to find the information, and then throw yourself into some of these conversations that are happening on our various social media pages, because they're really, really important to start to move the needle back towards progress. This has been a generation, a multi-generational effort. There are, you know, women like us who have known role for the primary parts of our lives, especially all of the, you know, the pertinent parts of our lives. There are the Gen Zers who are the first ones in years to be faced with these type of challenges. And we have a, a there's a wonderful Gen Zer who has, who just created links. It was just something as simple as, as, as links. Her name is Elmi Henkin, she is amazing, and she has the nickname the Abortion Link Fairy. And it's it's just little things like that. There are also, you know, people who have to go into those the depths of 
what it's like to be also disabled and need reproductive health care, what reproductive justice looks like. Because a lot of this is, is it still boils down to bodily autonomy. You know, That's when right. we deal with the treatment of disabled bodies, the treatment of reproductive organs, the treatment of trans bodies, it all boils down to autonomy. So I want to ask how people can keep up to be aware, to be in the know when there are actions, when there are things that you will be, you know, sponsoring. Can you let folks know how they can keep up with Lift Louisiana's work? Yeah, thank you for that. So obviously people can sign up to receive our email updates at our website. It's liftlouisiana.org. You can also donate to Lift Louisiana. Funding is absolutely critical in this moment. We have a lot of work to do and we need resources to be able to sustain that work. And it's a really important way that people can contribute and make sure that we're we're moving towards justice in this state. And we have a pretty robust social media presence. Uh, we provide a lot of information on social media. You know, I would highly encourage people to follow us. It's at Lift Louisiana on Instagram, on Facebook. We even have a TikTok. It's becoming more active. <laughs> Trust me, I too have the the TikTok struggles, especially when we talk about sensitive topics and you have to make sure you don't like hit whatever trigger word that um, <laughs> TikTok might decide to you know, get rid of your post. So trust me, you are not the only one who who struggles with staying active, getting active on TikTok. And I too am, you know, in the sauce with you. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know that it is while getting prepared for the legislative session. Before we go, did you want to leave any parting words or thoughts? I really appreciate this opportunity. So thank you so much, Melanie. It's been really good talking to you. The last thing that I would say is we're going to be very active this legislative session. We've got some really important priorities to try to reduce the harm that the abortion bans in Louisiana have caused on people. So please, you know, uh, follow us and, and sign up for those email updates. And when we ask you to call your legislator, please make that call. It's really, really important. Thank you so much, so much. I cannot tell you how excited I am, how happy I am to talk to you about this. Such a great organization, so much great work. And like I said, these little these little red states, work is going on here, guys. So please, please look for those organizations who are doing the work. For all of the politicians who are ignoring you, there is an organization and an organizer who is not. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining. Thank you. I'd like to say thank you to Michelle Ehrenberg, first and foremost, for the amazing work that you're doing with Lift Louisiana. So important, so impactful. And I've said, I don't want to use the word tireless because I know you're tired, but we appreciate you all the same. Thanks to the folks at Lift Louisiana for your work. Thank you, David, for making this interview possible. And lastly, thank you, Michelle for being with me today for this interview and adding to the greater national conversation. I really appreciate it. As you can see, the work that Michelle and Lyft are doing is incredible, but they're not alone. I can guarantee you that wherever reproductive rights are being jeopardized, there is somebody going to battle for you. Yes, even in red states. Three Stacks said it, and I'll repeat it as many times as I have to. The South got something to say. Again, you can support Lift Louisiana by going to liftlouisiana.org. Or 
You can find the Repro Justice Organization in your area and find out how you can give them a hand. I guarantee you they need it. You can also sign some of the reproductive justice petitions we have here. First up, we have President Biden. We need you to fight for medical abortion. That call sign is PWRWDG. We also have Tell Walgreens to protect abortion pill access. P-U-U-R-H-I is the call sign. Text either one of those call signs to 50409. If you already supported the petition, that is fine. You can also text PROMOTE in the call sign and use your little resist bot coins and promote them to folks in your area, folks who would be interested in supporting this petition. Also, side note, if you're boycotting Walgreens, great for you. Love that for you. But remember, we still need you to sign the petition for the people who can't. There are folks who Walgreens is the only thing they have access to. There are folks who are relying on other people for transportation. So remember them when we have these ideals. It's not just about us. It's about helping the people who need a little bit more of a hand. And speaking of helping folks who need help doing more, monthly donors are key to what keeps ResistBot accessible for everyone. So please join our monthly donors and make sure that everyone can make themselves heard to Congress, protect their voter registration, and get out the vote. Just text DONATE to 50409 and follow the prompts. It is as simple as that, and you would be doing an invaluable service to your friends and neighbors. I want to thank you so much for joining me this week. Once again, I'm Melanie Dion, and this has been the Resist Bot Podcast. I'll see you next week. The ResistBot Podcast is a production of ResistBot Action Fund, a social welfare nonprofit organization. ResistBot is funded by monthly donors like you. Support ResistBot by texting DONATE to 50409. You can learn more and see a complete guide to using the service, a real-time list of trending petitions, learn how to organize your own pressure campaigns, or launch your own voter pledge drives at www.resist.bot. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll see you next week.